My name is Ruby Powell Dennis, and this is The Future is Full of Second Chances. We look at black women candidates and political operatives from across the country to discuss how they overcome losing, how are they making an impact now, and how do they hope the country's perceptions of women, particularly black women in electoral politics, changes. I'm your host, Ruby Powell Dennis. I'm here with Jasmine Story, who ran in 2018 to be council member in Borough of Edentown and didn't get the outcome she wanted, but is here to share with us a little bit about what she's doing now currently to serve her community and her hope for Black women in electoral politics. Thank you so much for joining me, Jasmine. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me, Ruthie. Jasmine, I would love to have you start by telling us a little bit about you and why did you decide to run for office? So I am 31. Uh, I'm an attorney. Um, I am married. And uh, when I was in law school, I was very interested in like legislation and stuff like that. Um, in fact, a lot of the work that I was doing while I was in law school um, dealt with legislation, enforcement of legis- the legislation, um, and also kind of um, simplifying legislation so that uh, companies were in compliance. So I always kind of wanted to do something with that. And I thought that maybe I'd want to write legislation someday, but I thought it was probably not realistic. So then I thought, okay, well, maybe I'd want to be a judge instead. So anyway, fast forward to where I am now, the opportunity kind of presented itself where I would run for office. And I thought, hey, that's that would be a chance for me to, you know, write ordinances or be a part of legislating. So I ran in, I ran for office in 2018. Um, I did win. But, you know, after I took my seat, that's when I sort of saw that, you know, things are very different, I think, for I guess people, well, women of color, definitely, but I, I would say people of color. After I took my seat, I I learned that, at least in small towns, and I, I'm sure it happens in other places too, people tend to, like, people expected me to vote a certain way, right? And But if there was some sort of issue that impacted, I don't know, black people, like, for example, there was an issue of placing cops in schools. Um, and so I wanted to look at how that would impact black and brown students but I live in a predominantly white town, you know, so when that issue came up and we wanted to talk about that, you know, that sort of became this anti-cop story. So that's what I mean by it hasn't been the experience that I thought it would be. My term is coming to an end at the end of this year. I'm still very much interested and I, I think I'll certainly do more because I do want more people of color and black women, especially to um, run for office and get elected. But I, I certainly won't run again in my town. But I think a, a big part of what I think we should be doing is not just running for office, but when we get in positions of power, I think we need to be comfortable with taking up space. So not just, you know, being a token, but being comfortable enough to take up issues that impact our people um, and to kind of stand firm in those things. Um, and that's been quite a challenge, but that, that's been what I've been very, I've become very passionate about that issue. Thank you for sharing that. So tell us a little bit about the state of your race, you know, you mentioned wanting to run, writing legislation, all the reasons why you wanted to run and serve. 
I'd love to hear a little bit about like kind of your election experience, like as you were running for office. And then, of course, I'd love to hear more about a little bit about what you've already shared in terms of your your time in office. But I love the state of the race update. When I was running, I was I was very fortunate to link up with my local party. And, you know, I sort of had their backing. And so I was able to get on the ballot and, and have the support of the party. And they they basically funded funded my race. So in that sense, I was very lucky. I know a lot of people don't get that and they have to work a lot harder to fundraise. There is a huge downside to the experience that I had with, you know, the party funding me. You know, with that comes this attachment um, or this expectation, I should say, um, to basically do as you're told and to vote a certain way. I think when you do your own fundraising, you're, you're, you're free. Um, and so I was expected to do whatever I was told, and I didn't do that, you know. And had they told me that that was what was expected of me, I prob- I wouldn't have run um, with their funding. So there's certainly a downside uh, in that sense. My race was very interesting. For the most part, I would say it, was a, it wasn't, you know, a very interesting race. Um, but there was a moment where one of my tweets became an issue and was put on every single door in town, and basically... The tweet was in support of Kaepernick and not standing for the uh, national anthem. Um, And so basically I was called un-American. And I also had a tweet that essentially said, I was quoting someone and it was something about um, that, you know, marijuana has been legal for white people for a long time in the sense that they don't get the same level of punishment, um, whereas it hasn't been for black people. So we need to change that. Um, and I was quoting, um, I was quoting someone that was running for office. And that also was, they tried to spin that and say that I was racist. So it was, those those two things made it a bit of an interesting race, but otherwise I think it was pretty uneventful. But yeah, the, the funding thing I think is, is a big deal because on the one hand, I was very fortunate. Um, on the other hand, it came with handcuffs and, and I didn't play along, so... Tell us a little bit about when you started to feel the expectation from the supporters who backed you when you were running for office, and how has that progressed over your term? I started to feel it pretty much as soon as I took my seat. I mean, I was, so as soon as I took my seat, there was another member of council that was resigning at the time, and so a seat was open. Um, and so without talking to any, anyone on council, um, we were kind of told that they expected us to vote for a certain person. Um, and, you know, myself and other council members were like, okay, well, we'd like to interview this person and other people that are interested in to see, you know, who's best for the seat, you know, based on credentials and stuff. And that's what we did, but that's not what the party wanted us to do. The party wanted to place someone there that was directly linked to their donors. They, they had promised the seat to, um, you know, one of, one of someone who worked with their donors. Um, so that was the first the first issue that um, came about where there was a bit of a, a conflict. And then there were certainly a whole there were other issues. Like I said, there was the issue of, of the cops in schools. Um, there was also an issue where we have this beautiful park in town, um, and I'm 
I used to be really big into hiking um, and being outdoors. So they, there was, when I joined council, it was primarily democratic. Well, sorry, it was entirely democratic with an independent mayor. Um, and so right before I joined, like, so I took my seat in January. In December, the council had passed um, this resolution at the last minute that would allow for this disc golf course to be placed in this park. And there were tons of residents that were against this project. So in January, when I took my seat, that issue came back up. And we had hundreds and hundreds of residents show up against, against this. We received letters, um, emails, all these residents opposing this project. And so I sided with the residents. And that put me at odds with some of the Democrats on council. But there were other Democrats that were on my side too. So essentially what happened was a project that was passed at the last minute the month before I got on council was then canceled. And so that also caused an issue. From what I experienced, what I have been experiencing, for me, when we're talking about running for office, I think often we focus on getting, getting there. And that is definitely a huge part of it, right? Because there are all these obstacles with funding and resources and just knowing what to do and, and how, how to get there. But then once you're in the seat, there's a different type of, there are a different set of challenges and different types of hurdles that you face. And I think it's extremely difficult to be who you are and kind of stick to whatever your morals are. So I have a lot of respect for people like AOC and the squad who do that on, you know, the national level because I've seen how difficult it can be on a much smaller level. If that makes sense. It does. I guess, tell me in terms of the work that you've been able to do within your party. Um, I know that, you know, at least when we talk about uh, different political parties, you know, the Democratic Party is a, you know, the term is a big tent, um, is often used um, with the Republican Party, I mean, it's definitely a, a white men are at the front. Yeah. <laughs> um, and women, there's a level of gender parity that Republican women are working towards. I'd love to hear just a little bit more context about your town and how does your party operate there in relationship, say, to like your state party? Yeah, uh, that's very interesting. So... We have our local Democratic Party, um, which I think I would say is very interesting because you that also had sort of this split that it didn't start with last year's council. It kind of existed beforehand. Um, but you, you see the same split that you see on like the national level where you have, you know, one side that's that's a bit more progressive than the other side, you know, that that basically exists on our, our local level, too. Um, so you have our local Democrats. Of all, I would say of all ages and, and different backgrounds, um, and I would say it was pretty diverse. So you have the the original party, and then you have a new party that was recently formed by the county, which is actually really, um, I don't know what other term to use, but it, it's more of a, it's establishment Democrats. Um, the less progressive party, I guess. Um, and that's in line with, with the county party. 
my town, my county is um, a very red county. So, you know, the Democrats here tend to be a lot more conservative. And I tend, I, I mean, I never realized I was progressive, but, you know, once I took my seat and I noticed, you know, I started to uh, look at different issues and study about these things and kind of learned the, how, I mean, the different implications of, of certain things. I've noticed that I, I am a lot more progressive than, you know, I, I initially thought. So that's been an interesting experience. So, yeah, so there's this huge difference, I would say, with the local party and then the county, which is more um, generally more conservative because we're in a very red county. Um, and then our state is a blue state. So the county isn't always in you know, in alignment with the state because the, the state overall is, is blue. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but it does. That's sort of that's sort of the dynamic that we're that we have here. That's helpful. I'm also curious about when you you mention you know more conservative Democrats, centrist Democrats, and you know I've heard a lot of different terms to describe folks: moderate Democrats versus progressive. Talk to us a little bit about what does that you know get share with us some examples of what does that look like in your communities? I know that that can what is considered progressive in one area, you know, one community, urban versus rural, et cetera, could mean something different. So I'd love to hear some examples of what that looks like in your context. Yeah. So, for example, I've been using, I've been talking about this a lot, but you know, one, the one issue that came up that we had in New Jersey um, was this issue of raising minimum wage to fifteen dollars, right? And we had one or two Democrats vote against it, and for a lot of Democrats here, that's really counterintuitive. But that is that Democrats from my county, and my county is a very red conservative county. So those surprising, you could see how, you know, someone might oppose raising minimum wage or, you know, there was the issue of New Jersey being a sanctuary state. I also bring that up a lot too. So on the one hand, New Jersey is very blue. So when you think of New Jersey being a sanctuary state, I think that that's not an odd concept to like the average person in New Jersey, New Jersey's because New Jersey is very blue. But if you're in a red county, you're more likely to encounter a Democrat that isn't necessarily okay with something like that. So those are two things that jump out at me. The other issue where I, there was like definitely a split in terms of what I saw as being a, a little more moderate or conservative versus being progressive was, you know, I mentioned the issue of cops in schools. You know, when we took up this issue, we wanted to look at information that was already out there and the impacts that you saw kind of play out in um, schools where there are already police officers. And so that information was very important to us, you know, the school to prison pipeline. But to the more moderate and conservative Democrats, they saw that they saw the debate itself as being this insult to police officers. So they wouldn't even they couldn't even entertain the idea that this might be an issue. And so for me, you know, when I think about, you know, Democrat versus Republican, the way that I, the way that I view politics is that I, I start, I don't even start from the stance of politics. I start from the position of just humanity and just being a good person and doing what I think is the right thing to do, trying to improve the quality of life of the people around me and myself. And so that's kind of my starting point. Um, and so I'm a Democrat because I feel the Democrats fall. Um, or I fall more into that category, you know? So I feel that 
because that's my starting point, you know, when I'm analyzing a situation, I'm not thinking about it from the standpoint of what do, what will the Democrats think about it or what will the Republicans think about it. I'm thinking about it from the standpoint of, okay, well, what impact will this have on certain communities or, or the economy or whatever? And so sometimes that means that my position might be a lot more progressive. So like, for example, when I talked about the issue with the park, right, I thought about, okay, well, um, how will this impact the park? Um, how will this impact, um, you know, what environmental impacts would this have on the town? That kind of stuff. Whereas other people just thought about it from the perspective of recreation. And so that was that caused a huge split. But that's what I mean by, for me, I've noticed that the my, my, my approach seems to put me more in the progressive group. And then the approach where you're focused on, you know, kind of just recreation or businesses or things like that. If that's all you're focused on, then you might fall more into the, the moderate category or the conservative category. Mm-hmm. So tell us what are some of the things that you're really proud of that you've accomplished since being elected to office? <laughs> that's a really good question. I think that, you know, I mean, we've in terms of what we've, the things that we've passed and stuff, obviously we've passed lots of ordinances and resolutions and stuff like that. Um, I, I think that the thing that I've been most proud of isn't really any particular ordinance we've passed or I've worked on, but it's more so like the the stuff I've learned about myself and, and what I've learned about the political landscape and it kind of how it impacts um, black women and, and just uh, different minority groups. Um, like, for example, you know, this past election, there was this whole rock the vote. There's always the whole rock the vote um movement and you know there was this constant question of well how do you get you know black people out to vote and so I started because before 2018 I I wasn't politically involved you know so I started to think about it from the perspective of you know before I ran so I would think okay well what would it take to reach my former self and so basically what I what I started saying back to people was that you know you can't start from the position that black people aren't going out to vote, you need to back up a bit and you need to start from the standpoint of what, like, why is that, right? So if you're only showing up around election time and asking for votes, but then you don't follow through with your promises, um, then why would people keep coming out to vote for you? And you kind of, like this, this most recent election, you know, like black women played a big role in that. And most recently, black people, black, black people and black women played a big role in Georgia. Um, and so I think that the next step is to make sure that we hold people accountable and make sure that we're not just showing up and, you know, playing this important role in these elections and then, you know, kind of being ignored until we're needed, you know, two years later or four years later or six years later, or whatever the race is. So um, the thing I would say I'm most proud of is just kind of what I've learned and hopefully that will make me a better activist moving forward because I, I, I hope that I can get more people of color, especially black women, to try to not just run for office, but I think it's very important that we're in positions of power and that we're taking up space and just being who we are and not um, you know, tweaking our choices and our words so that it falls in line with what makes people comfortable because we're very used to having to do that. But I, I think that that's very important. Jasmine, tell us what have you been up to since running for office, other than, of course, serving your constituents? Yeah, so uh, I would say I've been causing lots of good trouble. 
Um, I have been just kind of trying to team up with other like-minded people from different ages and trying to get more people involved, trying to also educate people who are already involved about issues that, you know, about things that they're doing to negatively impact other groups that they're not seeing as negatively impacting other groups. So I've been very vocal. Like, for example, when I just talked about the whole, you know, the puzzle of how do you get black people to vote and me, me saying, well, hey, we're not coming out for a reason. You only come to us when you want our, our vote. So I've been very vocal about those kind of issues. Um, other than that, I think I've, I think I might try to get a lot more active in uh, different social just social justice organizations because I've become very passionate about those things. Uh, so that that's really where my focus is right now. And of course, we want to hear what is your hope for the future of women, particularly black women in electoral politics? I hope that we become the majority. Um, I think women are better. I think we're just much better leaders. I think that when we, I think when we look at situations or we look at some issue, we take all these different things into account versus I think men are a lot more likely to compartmentalize and that has its own implications. So, you know, my hope for the future is that more women are in positions of power. I hope that we become the majority and I definitely want there to be more black women and more minorities um, because I think that politics should reflect the way that America looks and that's certainly not the case right now. And of course, we'd love to hear if one of our listeners wanted to follow you or learn more about you and the good work that they're doing. How can they go about doing that, Jasmine? Yeah, so um, you could certainly follow me on my Facebook. My Facebook name is Jasmine Story. So if you did, you know, www.facebook.com, jasmine.story, that would be me. Um, on Instagram, my handle is jstory, J s-t-zero-r-y um so you can follow me on that too if you'd like to well jasmine i don't know if there's anything else on your heart and mind that we didn't cover that you'd like to share with our listeners the the only thing i will say is that there are a lot of groups that already exist like run for something um and uh bold progressives i believe is another group that try to provide resources for new candidates um, you know, from teaching them how to frame their message, um, from teaching them different tips on fundraising, um, and how to, you know, get, get endorsements, those kind of things. So there are a lot of resources out there. Um, and, and one major hurdle to running for office is that most people don't know wh- where to get those resources from or where to even start. So um, my r- recommendation would be if you're thinking about running, you should definitely check out groups like Run for Something because they they try to pull together those resources for um, you know divert uh, people from all backgrounds to run for office. So that that would be my, the only thing I'd add. Thank you for that. That's all for today's show. Thank you to my producer Jennifer Sharp and her firm Sharp Lifestyle Communications the team at Elect Black Women PAC, 
and the audio team that helps make all this happen. I'm appreciative of each of our guests, their willingness to share their leadership journey with us, each of you who listen to our show and our advertisers. If you have feedback for us, please email us at info at electblackwomenpack.com or tweet me at rpowelldennis. If you love our show, please subscribe and leave us a review. Also, be sure to share it with your friends. From Elect Black Women Pack, this is Ruby Powell Dennis. I'll talk to you soon.